When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanokas. Formula One is back in action this weekend with the 2020 Turkish Grand Prix and the pre-event media day took place today at the Istanbul Park track with the biggest talking points coming out of the paddock, the topics for our latest bite-sized podcast. In fact, there were several big stories emerging even before the drivers faced the media in their virtual press conferences today, with the news that the W Series would join the F1 support bill at eight events for its delayed second season in 2021, F2 driver Yuri Vips is now Red Bull's reserve driver this weekend, and Williams acting team principal Simon Roberts is actually missing this race, sadly, after testing positive for COVID-19. So, joining me on the podcast tonight to discuss all of that and more is Autosports F1 reporter Luke Smith. Uh, Look, we were chatting before we hit record for this podcast about what a busy day it's been. Um, yes. But I'm I'm assuming you prefer that to a slow F1 news day. Well, certainly, yeah. I think that at a time when so many people around the world, obviously dealing with like furlough and things like that, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a difficult situation just globally right now. And a lot of my friends, like who are freelancers in like photography and areas like that, they sort of struggle with work and whatever. For us to have like really busy days to get stuck into is actually really nice. And it was one of those days where, yeah, because of the time difference, I think the first media session was at nine in the morning, so kind of woke up about seven, had some breakfast, and then it was sort of pretty much non-stop for a good sort of eight nine hours, which is uh, nice to have a very sort of regular working day and yeah lots of new stories to get stuck into as you say and that sort of flurry of news in the morning was really really interesting but it's all 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 hashtag good stuff I believe is the way we would talk about it it certainly is although not all of the good stuff ends up making it into the news stories (laughs) only 
the best stuff. But there we go. Anyway, let's uh, let's start on our first topic, which isn't actually one I mentioned in the introduction, although it is one of the news stories that came out sort of before everything kicked into life in the paddock. And that's at Ferrari. Team principal Mattia Bonotto uh, were not with the team this weekend. He stayed uh, back at home in Italy, uh, working from the team's Maranello base. So, Luke, he sort of hinted that he might be considering this before. And we've seen it in Mercedes. Toto Wolff missing the Brazilian Grand Prix last year. You know, he, although it was sort of like, oh, well, it was more a case of he wanted to see if the team could be in his absence because it wasn't it wasn't about having a weekend off because he turned up I saw him in Saudi Arabia at the first round of Formula yeah. E and I thought that's not what you're supposed to be doing with your time off Toto but anyway he's got a he's got a, a Formula E team to worry about as well so fair enough uh, anyway enough of my ridiculous anecdotes from the past um Mattia Bonotto and Ferrari staying at home this weekend what is the thinking behind that it is really just to see how they can deal with sort of staff rotation and things like that. And we are looking to the 23 race calendar that's been announced for next year, obviously earlier this week. And all of the teams are saying that they're going to have to rotate staff and basically use different crews at different races because they can't reasonably expect any staff member to do 23 races completely in a season because there's a lot to put anybody through. And that even goes as far as the team bosses. And Matteo Bonossi was asked about sort of the pressures it would create at Imola a couple of weeks ago. And he said, he said, even me, he said, even I need to miss some races and that he would be looking to miss some of the remaining rounds this season uh, starting in Turkey this weekend Ferrari confirmed that yesterday that he would be absent from the race weekend but sort of manning things up from uh, the base at Maranello and sporting director Lauren Mekis he'll be running things on site for Ferrari but it's uh, yeah it's just uh, I think a way for Ferrari to see how they can adjust without having sort of the top dog on site and how Bonotto will manage everything from back home at base. Uh, Laura Mekis is an absolutely excellent sporting director, so I think they're going to have no issues whatsoever on the ground. But yeah, it's just quite interesting to see kind of how the need for rotation and the need sort of like not travel so much and take a break it goes all the way to the very top of these Formula 1 teams like even the top guys like Bonotto like Toto Wolff they're thinking next year's calendar like it's just going to be too much to go through so that's really the thinking behind it uh, just to clarify as well it's not anything COVID-19 related as it is with Simon Roberts at Williams I had a couple of questions this morning saying is that the case of Bonotto got COVID he does not this is purely a decision that Ferrari have planned for quite a while it sounds like uh, just to freshen things up and uh, yeah keep everybody uh, some uh, some peace of mind i think Absolutely. And it sort of makes sense to do it now ahead of the final triple header with the two races in Bahrain and, and, and Abu Dhabi um, sort of all being one packed into one trip, really. It makes sense for him to miss the one in Turkey. But yeah, Luke, as you mentioned, and as I said in the introduction, Simon Roberts missing this race. It's um, yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a, a bit of a strange few weeks for Williams because they've had a, quite a few positive uh, COVID test results. Um, how are they handling things and how is the team going to be run in his absence? Oh yeah, the team's been handling things very transparently and I think that's something that they deserve a lot of credit for and it's something that I don't think is quite extended to all teams on the grid and uh, they were very open a couple of weeks ago obviously when we wrote the story that George Russell's trainer was showing symptoms they even for minor symptoms they're very open saying he's a bit isolating he's having another test and everything like that and then they confirmed ahead of this weekend's race that they were going to be reshuffling the crew a little bit because there had been a spate of COVID cases within the team we don't know the exact numbers because any testing done outside of F1's official testing is not reported so we can't say for sure how many people or who they are and the team naturally wants to keep that private but they were open enough to say they've had some cases therefore they need to make some changes and then yeah with Simon Roberts he had a test on Monday that came back negative but then started to show some minor symptoms that prompted him to request another test now he wouldn't have had to do that because it's only have to get tested every five days so he could theoretically have flown to Turkey come into the paddock and then so long as he had a test within 24 hours of arriving inside the track then that's when he's next required to do so but 
they were very vigilant and when he showed symptoms got another test in it came back positive and then took the decision not to travel to turkey naturally and self-isolate so i think that is something that williams deserved credit for that sort of showing i guess real sort of foresight and maturity about it all Williams have already confirmed that Simon Roberts' duties uh, will be split this weekend between team manager Dave Redding and the chief engineer of vehicle design, Adam Carter. Uh, they were two members of the sort of three-part team that took over the sort of uh, role that Paddy Lowe had last year uh, before his departure from the team. So they're very experienced men, know what they're doing at the top of the team. And uh, yeah, that's who's going to be running Williams this weekend. And uh, naturally, we wish Simon Roberts a speedy recovery and hopefully he'll be back on site for the team for Bahrain. Yep, we certainly do, Luke. Um, staying with Williams, uh, George Russell facing the media, sort of the, the full media for the first time since his, let's face it, embarrassing crash behind the safety car at Imola. How did he front up to that? What was his reaction when inevitably the questions came his way about, about the incident? Oh, he dealt with it very maturely. Like he was very sort of accepting about it. And he said that it's unacceptable. He has put his hands up time and time again about the error. But it was quite interesting to see how positive the reaction has been in a weird way for, as you say, quite a glaring error. Lots of drivers got in touch with him to say that they, look, don't worry about it, mate. It happens. Everyone goes through it at one point or another. And George said he was actually really surprised to have that, to have so many people getting in touch with him and sort of just patting him on the back and supporting him. Lewis Hamilton was one of them. I asked Lewis about it and said, look, what do you see in George for the future, future of the UK, for Mercedes and F1 as well? And uh, Lewis said he's definitely got the potential to be a world champion and that he knows what it's like to be sort of struggling through your first couple of seasons or whatever and dealing with uh, the pressures of just coming into Formula One. And he said that he just really wanted to reach out to George and just tell him that it's going to be okay. And he, he made again the comparison to Fernando Alonso, who obviously starred so much for Minardi back in 2001 when he debuted. And I think it's strange how something for such a big mistake, it's actually come out quite positively for George Russell in a weird kind of way that everyone's kind of sort of just reminded him just how good he is and that the points will come at some point. George himself, he said he's not going to look to change his approach at all, that ultimately he wants Williams to be taking risks to really push everything to the limit because that's the only way they are going to score points this year. And yeah, he said that he's not going to change his approach even after this crash and that he's still going to be aggressive and uh, hopefully get those breakthrough points for himself because he's, he's still sat on zero. He still knows it, but he's uh, very eager to obviously get off the mark in F1. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. I was also amused by Lewis Hamilton saying that if he'd realised that uh, his comments to George Russell on Instagram were going to be reposted everywhere, he maybe he'd have sent them <laughs> in a DM. But uh, anyway, I'm not quite sure what you're getting at there, Lewis. But there we it's go. It's almost as if Lewis Hamilton's quite a high-profile account, you know. Yeah, I know, it's that, weird, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Why would people pick up on the world champion offering some support to a younger driver? But fair enough. Um, Let's move on to another driver in, in the news lately because of potentially taking over George Russell's seat at Williams. That's Sergio Perez, who obviously we talked about a lot on the podcast this year for a lot of things. Um, and least of all, his driving in a weird way, because he's just been he's been in the news so much in terms of his seat, obviously having COVID and, and missing those races. But um, Perez at the moment, still no seat confirmed on the 2021 grid. And with Williams confirming at Imola that it is going to be George Russell and Nicholas Latifi next year, his options are, are looking pretty limited. And in fact, uh, Luke, going as far as saying today that a sabbatical could be an option for next year. Now, we tend to think of a sabbatical really with high profile, very successful drivers wanting to take a break and then coming back or maybe not. Not really a driver who, you know, is in the middle of their career and is left without options. It, it it is that much more difficult to come back if you haven't achieved that previous success. Obviously, Perez comes with a lot of backing, so that probably helps his, his cause as well. But, you know, as he said, time is ticking on and he's got he's to think about it. But what did you? what was your reaction to hearing him say that? I think it was the strongest he's been yet about 
taking a year out of F1 because he's always made quite clear that he's eager to stay on the grid, but it needs to be a project that really sort of excites him and fits everything that he wants to do. When he became a free agent and Sebastian Vettel was confirmed to be joining Aston Martin, I think everybody assumed that, well, surely it's got to either be Haas or Alfa Romeo. But they moved so quickly that Perez was kind of left with this sort of narrowing number of options to the point now it looks like it's red ball or bust for him, really, that he is relying on the team sort of saying, look, we've given Alex Albon enough chances. It's not cutting it. We've got to go for an experienced hand and turn to Perez. Perez, he was asked again about sort of like, when can we expect news? And he said, look, it's sort of, we're getting towards the end of the season now, time's ticking, and that he wants to know what he's going to be doing for next year. And he said that ultimately a sabbatical next season could be an option. But as you say, that for, for a driver who sort of has been on the grid for 10 years, you maybe don't think about sabbatical being a, a realistic thing unless they've enjoyed so much success they can just walk back into a seat. So it's a, it's a funny one, but I think that, Currently, it's sort of it's a big game of musical chairs right now, and there's sort of like three seats left, really, and there are four people, and someone's going to be left standing. And I think Perez is looking like the man who may well end up being that if Red Bull do decide to keep Alex Albon. But he's very much at peace with it. Like he said that ultimately he knows he's performing really well. He was asked about his on-track driving this year and like how well he's been performing, and he said, yeah, he's he's really happy with what he's done. There've been two missed podium chances uh, in Austria and uh, Imola. He said they were they were just thrown away, but he knows he would have got them on his performance and on merit so that is something he can take plenty of heart from and I think yeah that if he were to be left without a seat for next season he could turn away from the grid at least for a little while if not forever uh, with his head very very high up because he's done very well and I think you can't take anything away from him for how he's performed this year because I think he's really been one of the star drivers and it's uh, yeah just a shame that we're not going to have him on the grid next year maybe. Yeah, I would. I don't know whether I think I disagree with that ever so slightly in terms of yes, he's done very well to you know to consistently bring points in. He's the only driver apart from Lewis Hamilton who has scored points in every race that he's competed in. Obviously, because he missed those two races at Silverstone. But at the same time, there have been errors. There's been the, the, the you know they're not making Q3 at Imola. There were a few clumsy moments in Austria that cost him potentially a podium there. So I think. It has been, and also at the start of the season, there remains a sense that both he and Lance Stroll and, and Racing Point overall didn't get the most out of that brilliant package that they had. Um, obviously, unfortunately, Perez, nothing he could do about missing Silverstone. I, I heard him in the press conference today say, you know, that, that would have been our strongest track because our car performs really well there. Nothing he could do about that. But there have been, while he has been very good this year, he has also, he's been consistent in his points finishes but he's also been inconsistent in terms of his overall performance is, okay. what, is what I would say with my Grand Prix editor's uh, assessment <laughs> what's his average pattern, rating this season whereabouts is uh, he I don't have it to hand but he's not in the top 10 interesting do you know okay. who he is in uh, Daniel Kvyat who also might okay. be uh, out uh, out of a seat next year if, uh, if uh, Alex Albon is demoted back from uh, Red Bull to AlphaTauri but there we go yes Kvyat flying under the radar but just massively in the shadow of Pierre Gasly obviously he's picked up the incredible results of that team um Right, look, coming on to our final couple of topics, because this, as I said at the start, is our latest bite-sized podcast. Um, coming back to Lewis Hamilton, we spoke about him uh, talking about George Russell, but also obviously um, massively in the spotlight himself this weekend because of what he can achieve. We spoke about this in our podcast earlier on this week with Jonathan Noble about, you know, he can he can win his, his seventh world title and how, how massive that would be. Uh, I You were in that uh, virtual press conference uh, asking questions of him. I watched it along as well. And it was interesting, he just sort of seemed... He seemed to be approaching everything as he always does. I mean, it must be really fascinating to be an individual constantly standing on the verge of making history because it seemed to me that I was watching the same press conference play out that I watched in 
uh, you know, Mugello or Sochi or the, the Nürburgring where he was just about to equal Michael Schumacher's win record and then he broke it and then they won the Constructors' Championship at Imola. And it's, it's, just, it's really fascinating just seeing how someone approaches like those sort of things because Lewis says, well, you know, I just, I take it one race at a time and that's all I care about. I've got to focus on winning those last four races. And it's kind of repetitive. It's kind of boring, but it obviously works. So you can't, you can't knock it for that. But yeah, how did you find, uh, how did you find Lewis today? As you say, he's kind of been answering the same questions for about eight weeks now, hasn't he? Like, what's it going to be like when you match Schumacher's record? And he's always like, well, I'm not really thinking about it. I can't really tell you. And it won't be, I think, until he finally wraps up the title, whether it's this weekend or next weekend, that it's that it finally sinks in for him and he can properly put that into words what it will mean. But he was, yeah, he was in quite sort of a, quite a chipper mood. Like he said that he sort of, the seven titles it was never ever on his radar when he got into f1 like you never think about that kind of success uh, he spoke about the move to mercedes in uh, 2013 and obviously sort of the role that the likes of nicky lauda ross braun played in that and he said how that when nicky first came to him with the plan for mercedes he really wasn't convinced by it and he said it took uh, ross braun coming around to his mum's house for a cup of tea that actually finally sort of made him really get what Mercedes were onto and the kind of things they could achieve together. But even then, I don't think he would ever have thought they, they would be on the verge of winning a sixth world title together, Lewis's seventh in total. So it's, uh, yeah, I think he's just sort of, he's just taking everything in his stride, really. And uh, teammate Valtteri Bottas, he's obviously the only man who can delay Hamilton's coronation. And he said, obviously, he's going to do everything he can to sort of postpone it as much as possible. But it's, uh, yeah, it is overwhelmingly looking like, uh, barring a very dominant display from Valtteri Bottas, that it will be, Hamilton who's crowned world champion his seventh time this weekend and I think then then we can finally ask him and put an end to all the questions about what's it like to match Michael Schumacher until this time next year when he's on the verge of an eighth world title I mean, what's it like to finally beat that record well at least no one's asked him yet about uh extending the win record at every race because that's obviously what he's doing but i always i also think with these questions it sort of it reflects the the different mindset and attitude you get between you know fans or the media we get excited or, or interested in the fact that wow lewis hamilton could become only the second person ever in history to match seven world titles or to achieve seven world titles whereas lewis hamilton obviously is he has to approach it completely different because he's got a different job and he's a different person and it's just it's, anyway it's 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 the when you when you boil it down it, it all makes uh all makes a lot of simple sense but let's come on to our last question and it's going right back to what i mentioned at the start with the w series joining the f1 support bill in 2021 now we already knew that there were there was going to be quite a shake-up on the formula one support bill for next year because formula two and formula three are now alternating at, at different rounds so they won't be on the same support bill together it'll be one or the other to help uh, spread the cost about for the teams um, but yeah what do you make of this uh, this announcement from the W Series that there'll be uh, eight Formula 1 events next season oh it's really cool like it's massive I think the W Series things such as like free to air broadcasting and that I think was a massive thing during its during its first season the plan for this is was to support a couple of F1 races I believe in uh, Mexico and Austin and uh, obviously that didn't happen due to the calendar and W Series getting cancelled for this year but for next season I think to join the F1 roster so regularly I think that's a, a massive massive thing for W Series just to gain that sort of profile really and for the drivers who are involved and Nicholas Latifi he talked about his experience when he first joined sort of the F1 undercard uh, when he was racing in Formula 2 and he said immediately everything sort of changed and felt a bit more serious and you're in the spotlight properly because you're not sharing the same paddock but you're on the same race weekend and I think that for W Series I think that is 
I think it's huge. Like I think it's a real sort of game changer for the series, and it's done a lot of good stuff during its first season. I think it's proved a lot of its critics wrong, and I think coming into uh, next year, I think to have that support and to have the knowledge that they're going to be sort of aligned with F1 so much, I think that's that's really really cool. So uh, yeah, it's a good thing for for female motorsport. I think it's it's brilliant. I think that it can hopefully fuel more female participation in motorsport at all levels, and yeah, just sort of make the I think just give a bit more colour to the F1 uh, support bill as well. I think a lot of people will be really eager to stick around for the support races to CW series, whereas some other support events, they might not be so inclined to do so. So yeah, I think it's a really cool story. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's a very good opportunity for W Series and for all the drivers taking part in that. And I think it's, it's really important as well. And it, it's interesting because, you know, it, again, anything to do with the W Series always brings up the inevitable social media negativity and ridiculousness. And that sort of makes just makes me think, you know, yeah, in an ideal world, you wouldn't have to have a separate category for female drivers. But clearly we're not well we know in, in in so many ways in reality that the world isn't perfect and it is very difficult and in terms of motorsport if it if it was working then there'd be female drivers in formula one so clearly something has to change so i'm i'm fully behind this i think it'd be very interesting to see to see those races next year i did i was at brands hatch last year for the the dtm round there and got to watch some of it and it was it was, it was really interesting although brands hatch single seaters is never a good never yeah. a great spectacle <laughs> but there we go i'm sure on the wider uh modern formula one tracks uh, there'll be some some interesting racing as well um anyway well luke thank you very much for your time tonight and also thank you much for running the show for autosport.com i've been very little use for you today because i spent most of my day preparing for and then uh, having a lovely chat with daniel ricardo for a future issue of autosport magazine it was um we agreed that um my it is a top knot that i've got uh, not a ponytail or a man okay bun. he said nice. he's he fine he's fine with a top knot we, we've what got is the, the difference uh, between a top knot and a man bun i think they're very slightly different but i always associate man bun more negatively and prefer top knot so okay. that's what okay. I'll go for. We'll go but I, in terms of the technical specs, I'm afraid I'm a little bit behind on that. But I think, you know, just the man bun would be bigger and bushier, whereas I'm sure. trying to keep it quite neat and tight. Okay. We that's avoid the ponytail because I think I just think of the 80s and awfulness and <laughs> people in the F1 paddock that used to have. Anyway. <laughs> um, there we go. Thank you very much, Leek. Thanks to everybody listening along. Now, just before we go, we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out today and is available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents, as well as on the doormats of subscribers. There'll be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every Thursday, packed full of news, analysis, and the usual stunning photography. And of course, if you want unlimited access to Autosport from the comfort of your home, visit autosport.com slash pass to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport podcast. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. American Giant does things the hard way, but that's because it's the right way. By choosing to manufacture all of its clothes in the United States, American Giant supports local communities and produces the highest quality goods on the market. Ten years ago, they went against the grain and imagined making a hoodie of unbelievable quality locally. 
one that would hold up for years and get better with each wear. They did just that. And now they have a full range of durable essentials for men and women, including tees, premium sweaters, cozy sweats, and so much more. The best part? Everything is American-made to the highest standards, supporting hardworking communities, living wages, and safe working conditions. So you can buy your values and fill your closet with long-lasting clothes you can feel great about. Wear your values in the new year. Complete with durable essentials at American-Giant.com. And get 20% off with code NY23 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com. Code NY23. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 